Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello, modern lovers. What if I told you you could get great relationship advice from a divorce lawyer? Think about it. Somebody who spends their time working to take marriages apart. What kind of advice could this person possibly have for you? Well, guess what? Our guest today is James Sexton, who's written a book called How to Stay in Love. And his first book was called If You're in My Office, It's Already Too Late. And it's the Divorce Lawyer's Guide to Staying Together. And James Sexton has worked with over a 1,000 couples whose marriages have slid on the ice and cracked right through because of threesomes with the nanny or uh, people not making time for one another or, you know, all kinds of different things. And he has learned a lot about what doesn't work and what does. But before I introduce you to James and you get to hear his advice on how to stay out of his office, If you live in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're going to want to join me for our once-a-month live training right here in our Modern Love Training Center. The next one is Saturday, November 16th, and it's a full day of deep learning, deep, deep, deep experience, tools, and transformation. It's called Are You Sabotaging Your Love Life? Most of us are without even knowing it. There are so many skills and tools that we need to learn. It's like getting a driver's license. You guys hear me say that all the time. We learn the rules of the road, how to operate the vehicle, how to repair the vehicle. We get a driver's license. How about that love license? So to stop sabotaging your love life and to really launch your love for 2020 as the best love ever, whether you're married, single, widowed, divorced, LGBTQ, straight, young, old, black, white, doesn't matter. This training is for everyone. Run, don't walk. With your little fingers, go to Eventbrite. Grab your seat right now. If you're already part of our True Love, True Prosperity Mastermind community, you come for free and you get to bring a guest. And if you're buying a ticket, bring a guest with you anyways. You've got somebody to talk it over with and practice with at the end of the day. All right, I will see you Saturday, November 16th, Modern Love Academy. Are you sabotaging your love life? So here's our dear Dr. Brenda question. Dear Dr. Brenda, my husband suffered a significant back injury a few years ago, recently returned to work. He was so glad to get out of the house, but over the first few weeks, I've noticed he's jittery 
and slurs his words. He's been off painkillers for over a year, but I suspect he's using something else. I've confronted him, but he denies using any drugs. He won't visit his doctor, and now I don't know what to do. Is my husband addicted to drugs? Well, is my husband addicted to drugs? I don't know the answer to the question, but you do need to have one of those loving, not confrontational kinds of conversations where you invite your husband into a safe conversation, not, oh, my God, are you using drugs? I notice you're slurring your words. What's wrong with you? It has to go something like this. You've been through a lot. You're going back to work. I can only imagine that that must feel challenging. You must feel some anxiety. I know I would. And you might need some extra help right now, maybe with painkillers or something else to get through it. If that's the case, I don't have any judgment. I'm here to support. And if you need support, please talk to me or our doctor. You're a grown-up. It's not my job to control you. Boundaries are super important in relationships, and I want you to stay in the healthy boundary. The person you have to pay attention to and take care of is yourself after you have this kind of conversation. It's okay to call your husband's doctor and say, I have a concern. This is what I've noticed. Is there anything you would advise? That's it. That's all you can do. You can't control another adult. If you try, you're going to be sick. Okay, now back to James Sexton. He's a trial lawyer with two decades of experience negotiating, litigating high-conflict divorces. He's taken his expertise as a long-time, hard-hitting divorce lawyer, gathered the collective wisdom from his practice, and put it all in a how-not-to book. Not how-to, how-not-to. So he lives in Manhattan, and he's here with us today. Hello, James Sexton. Welcome to Modern Love Radio Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. So what made you, a divorce lawyer, write a book about not getting divorced? Aren't you going to put yourself out of business? Uh, you know, listen, I'd, I'd probably be happy if I did. I'd find something else to do. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I, I think doctors have been writing books for many, many years about how people can stay healthy. And unfortunately, you know, people don't follow the advice and don't take the advice to heart. So I, I suspect that uh, my book will not single-handedly uh, save uh, the status of the relationship world. But, you know, I, I think I've, I've watched so many and been part of the, the, the demise of so many marriages that, it just felt to me like something I could do to try to give back karmically or to, you know, create some positivity from the, from the negative things that I've had to, to navigate my clients through, you know. I yeah, think, well, you divorce know, I, lawyers I, I, have the worst possible reputation of just about any sure. lawyer. Everybody hates divorce lawyers because you go into court trying to advocate for your client and end up beating up on somebody else and, you know, speaking as somebody who has been through it, it was quite a shock to me when the lawyers were actually willing to lie on behalf of my ex-husband. So most of us don't have fondness in our hearts for you, you yeah, people. Yeah. Well, who made it. So what, yep. what do you think is, is the real reason that relationships fail from your perspective? 
I mean, I, I think our perspectives actually are, are very much aligned on this, and that is that I, I think people don't enter into it with, you know, enough thought to how they're going to do things. Their relationship develops by default and not by design. And, and I think one of the things that, you know, I've heard you say before on the show is, is that really a little proactivity and a little, you know, forward thinking is, is worth a lot. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And I think that, that was why the title of the, the first book was, you know, uh, if you're in my office, it's already too late. By the time you're sitting across the desk from a divorce lawyer, you know, a lot of decisions have been made and a lot of choices have been made and, and a lot of damage is done to the relationship. You know, no single raindrop is responsible for the flood, but the uh-huh. flood comes. And, and a lot of people point to in a, in a marriage when it dissolves, they say, well, you know, it, we're splitting up because he's sleeping with his secretary or we're splitting up because she was financially dishonest and hiding money or, you know, whatever it might be. And those are the big marriage killers. And those are, of course, big, big reasons why people But you're divorce. saying but lack you're really... of preparation and you're saying people being dishonest. And then what's your third? You're about to say a third. Well, I would say it's that, that people don't pay enough attention to the small connections that we lose along the way. We fall in love very, very quickly. And we fall out of love, I think, sometimes very slowly. We disconnect. You know, we all start with the same goal in mind. And that is we're going to live happily ever after. And then we very slowly disconnect and disconnect because we now, don't have that proactivity. Now, when you say all disconnections, give us a, an example. Tell us a story of a couple that you yeah. went through litigation well, with. Okay. Sure. Well, there's a, there's a story I talk about in the book where I, I'm, I, I had spent a long time in a very ugly custody case with a woman. And, and, you know, you get to know your clients really well when you've been through a divorce process with them and you get to know a lot about their lives. And we were having a sort of down moment between uh, court sessions and we were just chatting casually. And I said to her, you know, is there a moment where you realized your marriage was over? And she said, yeah, but it's going to sound strange. And I said, well, tell me it. And she said, well, um, my husband used to, there's this granola that I like and they only sell it at this particular store. And my husband used to always buy my granola. Like I never had to ask him and he never, when he, when he did it, he'd never say, Oh, look, I bought your granola. Like he wanted credit for it. He just, the granola would start running low. And the next thing I know, there'd just be a new bag of granola. And she said, I never said anything to him about it, but it just felt like an act of love. It felt like, oh, he like knows I like that granola. And he knows I like to put it in my yogurt. And when it's running low, he does this thing to take care of me. And she said, one day I realized, you know, the, the granola is running out and it hadn't been replaced. She said, so I kind of just like moved it a little forward in the cabin. And I thought, oh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll get to it. And then he didn't. And she said, you know, when I realized in that moment, something's really off here. And, and I, I thought about it and I said to her, you know, that that's exactly the kind of small gesture that we do when we're, you know, in love with someone, we want to show connection, we want them to know that they're cared for, we want to do these small little things. And those little things, when they start to erode, because of, again, the day-to-day things that happen in life, you got kids, you got jobs, you got stress, you got health issues. But it's really easy to let those little small connections lead Absolutely. to I could not agree with you more. And when I'm working with couples in my private practice or in our trainings, one of the most important things is that instead of falling into that, I don't need to do that anymore mindset, I really advise couples to take what you just said and flip it upside down. Yeah. And instead of the funnel getting smaller the longer you're together, open it up. Open it up and do more. Well, this year, I'm going to surprise my partner by doing more of these things and keep adding, keep looking for more things to add so it gets richer 
over time yeah. instead of it getting leaner. So for you, mm-hmm. when you talk about these little disconnections, what's behind that? What do you think is behind it? Well, I, I think it's twofold. I mean, I, I think what happens is, is there is a sense among people in, you know, the world is, is antagonistic to us to some degree. You know, we go out in the world and, and, and there's stress and there's problems and there's issues and, you know, there's issues with kids, there's issues with work. There's just lots that happens. And one of the things that, that we love about love, I think, one of the things that I, I find so beautiful is that even in the face of a 53% divorce rate, people still want to get married. And that tells me a lot about how deeply we desire deep connection with another person. And so I think what's really behind it is that we, we just lose the plot. We just lose the, the shelter in the storm that our partner is supposed to be for us and the sense that, that, again, those small little connections that are so important to people as they start to just erode in the face of understandable day-to-day stresses. I mean, I, I even see it in people's sex lives. You know, when I talk to people about their sex lives, they talk about how well, when we were first together, you know, we were, we were constantly having sex and we were always there. And then it starts to turn into, well, you know, look, we, we're both busy and the kids, you know, are up and, and, and you know, they we're both tired after a long day. And the next thing you know, you, you unconsciously and without intention of, of, you know, damaging the marriage, you, you turn around and you say, wow, we've kind of fallen into a habit now. And then it feels scary to say to your partner, hey, you know, what happened? Like, where are we? You know, what, right. what, and where the other did, side of that here? is I, I just have to say this because I've spent, you know, my entire career looking at why people get into those snafus. We also come to our relationships not only without proper training, because here's one simple data point. I've hammered this point for so long. Those who've heard it before, just you're going to have to listen to it again. There are 50% fewer divorces for people who do one thing, and that is do qualified premarital coaching. And when I say qualified, I mean science-based, psychologically sound, and spiritually aware premarital coaching, not sitting with your pastor. I don't take anything away from pastors. Most pastors don't know the science. That's not their job. Mm -hmm. They can't teach you what good communication really sounds like and looks like. It's not going to some of the courses that are out there that tell you to just write letters to each other because that doesn't break old patterns and establish good, healthy patterns. So when I say qualified, make sure people make that mark. Now, another question for you, James. In your experience, is it possible for a marriage to be saved after somebody's had a sex fling and cheated? I think so. I mean, I, 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 I talk about in my book, you know, what I consider to be the different types of affairs. I don't think all affairs are created equal. And I spend a lot of time with people who've been cheated on and people who cheated. And, 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 and I've defended and, and you know, and I've, I've gone against and prosecuted, you know, both sides of that equation for a long, long time. And what I'll say is... I don't think it's all the same. I think there's a tremendous difference between what I call the newly discovered soulmate and the, you know, what I call the mistake, you know, which is that a person, you know, has just a, you know, one night fling with someone that's impulsive or maybe they're intoxicated and they make a terrible decision and they're regretful of it versus someone having, you know, an affair with someone who they are emotionally intimate with and who they have intentions of perhaps of actually continuing a relationship with. So, but it really depends on the type of affair. And I talk about, you know, what I think are the prospects for each of those, at least, again, from my observation as a divorce lawyer. You know, my, the sample I'm looking at is somewhat self-selecting. I'm looking at people that have already made it into a divorce lawyer's office. And sometimes 
they come in. I talk to them about options. I talk to them about what's really happening. But the first comment I make to anybody when they come into my office is, look, if you haven't done all the things that you could possibly do to try to reconcile your relationship, you should get up out of my office and, and, and go and try to do those things. Because I, ideally, you know, I, I am not the person who, who you want to, to have making these decisions. And, and certainly, you know, a bad, I believe a bad marriage and a, a good divorce is better than a bad marriage that you just stay in out of habit or out of the sense of, I don't want to get divorced. I, I don't want someone to be married to me because they don't want to get divorced. I want them to be married to me because they want to be married to me. They want to yeah. wake up now, with me Yeah, now what are the warning day. signs that a relationship is having problems? What are the things people I, uh, should be looking out for before they go to the divorce lawyer? You mentioned yeah, some I, earlier, but what are some of the other things that you would add to that list? I would say, you know, too, too much, you know, lack of overlapping connection between people. I mean, I think that in the best relationships, there's the you, the me, and the we, you know, that we each retain our own identities and the things that make us unique and perhaps interests that each of us have that the other doesn't have. But then there should be some overlap. There should be some, some area where we're still connecting. And when those connections start to erode and people really are no longer finding that there's any we, there's just a you and a me, or the other way around, that there's nothing but we, and they've lost their individual identities. I think that's a big thing. And I think, you know, communication and sex. I think sex is the glue in a lot of relationships, and it's what separates, you know, a, a romantic partner from a roommate. And, and I think that when you start to see, you know, a, a sense of monotony or a sense of dissatisfaction with your sex life, I'm a big, there's a chapter in my book called Hit Send Now, where I talk about over, almost over communicating, saying that, look, you know, when you feel a disconnection from your partner, you've got to take the bold step of, of I, I call it hitting send now because it's a matter of, I, it, I say that again, you, it, you call email. it what? I didn't get that. I call it hitting send now because, you know, when you hit an email, oh, hitting you send. Hit send, got it, got it, got yes, it. Okay. When you hit send on an email, you can't right, take no, it I got back. It. Right. And so I, I think that email is actually a really great way to express those kinds of things because, you, it's not confrontational in the sense that if I, if I say to my partner, hey, this is a problem and I want to talk about it, they might not be in a place where they can talk about it. They might want to reflect on it a little bit. They might not have noticed what's going on and they might be defensive. Whereas if I give them some advance of, hey, look, this is up on my emotional radar and I just want to bring it to your attention. Maybe this is nothing. You, you made this comment about my sister. It made me feel really weird. And I just want to let you know that, that maybe I misunderstood what you were saying, but it just felt kind of off. And that's a way to course correct along the way. And then I think that's great for, for, again, for romantic issues, sex issues, communication issues, anything that's going on in a marriage that blips on that radar rather than keep it in and all of a sudden turn around. And, and, and what started out as a conversation about, you know, what's the best place in the neighborhood to get Chinese food. And 10 minutes later, you're yelling at it. You know, I never liked your mother, you know, and you go, wow, how did this happen? What have right. you been walking because around saving all this we stuff? don't talk about always come out anyway. We don't. Talk Amen. about them, Absolutely. they will surface in some kind of behavior. Now, what are the things every couple should discuss before they get married, in your experience? So I, I think sex is a big one. I think that talking about, you know, what is your expectation or what are you, you know, what, what is some, how do you view sex in a marriage? You know, do you view it as something that, you know, what, what is the import of it to you and what is the frequency with which you feel good about that and, and, and what benefit do you see it as having? You know, I think that's important. I think talking about finance is incredibly important. I mean, I think talking about 
how we're going to talk. I, I talk in the book about having a conversation about how we're going to have conversation, having a conversation about how are we going to fight. We're going to get in a fight. If we're getting married, we are going to get in a fight at some point. So when we argue, what should that look like? Let's not figure that out while we're in an argument. Let's figure right, it out because while we're getting Because your brain is hijacked, and you're not going to be right. able to figure anything out anyway. <laughs> exactly. And why not talk about, hey, I'm the kind of person, just so you know, but I need a minute. You know, I need a minute to process what's going on. And if I, if I feel like I'm backed into a corner and I have to respond right away, I might give the wrong knee-jerk reaction. So when I disengage, please, I'm not dismissing you. I'm just trying to get a little space so I can process it. If you can have that conversation with your partner and say, this is how I argue, and, and this is how it should be interpreted, and, and let's try to navigate that while we're in a rational frame of mind, I think that's incredibly important. Or yeah, how and one of the things that I about totally, it? totally want to add to what you're saying, because I agree that the more we premeditate how we want this relationship to be, how we want this marriage to be. That is absolutely crucial. And one of the things every couple should do is get really clear on what your favorite communication style is. Are you a blamer? Are you a freezer? Are you someone who absolutely has to come out on top and you're going to do anything to win? Knowing what your style is and being willing to make some adjustments so they come closer. I just want to add that little bit there because what you're saying is super important about get ahead of things. Just, uh, you know, I, I had this, this spiritual no. teacher once who had this thing he called the seven Ps. And it's laughable, but the seven Ps were pre, prior, proper planning prevents poor performance. Excellent. Absolutely true. Absolutely so just true. do and your I think seven Ps, everybody. And James, one thing I know everybody is curious about, because you have been distinguished, and I want to absolutely congratulate you for being an advocate for same-sex marriage and marriage equality, where do we, where do we stand today in terms of marriage equality? What have you noticed in terms of divorce rates in LGBTQ communities, et cetera? Sure. Well, we're, we're certainly seeing, you know, a, a tremendous, you know, spike in the marriage rates, obviously, because now this is a technology, this is a, uh, a reality that's available to same-sex couples, finally, and, and, and this has been a civil rights movement, you know, for a long time that's finally come to fruition. The divorce rates among LGBT, uh, uh, you know, uh, families are, are quite low at this point, but, you know, it's a little too early to say whether that's a function of the fact that you know, these are, are, are new marriages by many people who've been together for many, many years and who were just really had successful working relationships, or also if it's people that are just newly married and, and, and you know, the honeymoon period is still going on. So it's going to be a few years before we really see um, what, what the shakeout is on that. But it is something that people are availing themselves of. And, and of course, we are, are already seeing, so you know, uh, LGBT are lower divorces. than heterosexual couples. That's really interesting. <laughs> Currently, they are. But again, I think if, if you look at the sample, what's happening there is we have relatively new marriages. Well, there, that there could be it. Or, or alternatively, people have waited so long for the right to get married that it is a precious freedom and a cherished well, freedom. I, I, so I'm, I'm thinking there's some, there's some impetus of I now get to hold on to something that's precious that I couldn't have had before. Yeah. And well, it should be. And I think that's maybe a takeaway for all couples to hold your marriage 
hold your partner as precious. Because we do tend, we human beings, we can't help it. We go into this thing where the brain starts to habituate. It's like, oh, coming home to the same old casserole every night. It's you. Mm-hmm. And one of the you know, huge, huge data points in the science of what keeps marriages strong is the element of surprise, something that's new. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw in one last little uh, exercise from my perspective as a modern love doctor, which is do something every single week. If you're in a relationship that matters to you, do something every single week that's a discovery. It's an aha. It's a surprise. It's changing up so that you don't get lazy and just habituate in your marriage so that, you know, something sparkly in you outside becomes more appealing or you just lose your mojo. Let's keep that mojo working. So the last thing, James, what's the most important thing people can learn from you, a divorce lawyer? I, I think if there was one message I hope people walk away with is realizing that it really is the little things, that, that I really believe that we stay in love because of the smaller gestures and that it, exactly what you just said, you know, that, that if we can do these, these little things that surprise, these little acts of love that surprise the person that we're with and keep them feeling wooed and keep them feeling valued, because really it's about value and connection. And, and I really think it's, it's very, very easy to take for granted the thing that's all around you. We don't know who discovered water, but it probably wasn't a fish. Right. I think when you're in something, right. you, you just begin to not notice it. And, and sometimes it's just those small gestures, but remembering to buy that granola or leaving. I, I have a good male friend who was talking about some marriage issues he had, and I said to him, you know what, do me a favor. For the next two weeks, leave your wife a note every morning. It doesn't have to be an elaborate love note. Just leave her a, hey, it was really fun spending some time with you watching that show on Netflix last night, and I'll, I can't wait to see you for dinner tonight. Love you. And I said, if you can do that for two weeks, just leave her a little short note, because he leaves for work in the morning before she, she wakes up. I said, just leave her a note. He said, I saw him about a week and a half later. He said to me, I cannot tell you, just rolled back the clock on my marriage. He said, my wife is like in the best mood. We're feeling really connected. He said, I can't believe it's so silly. Like that's such a simple little thing. And I said, well, but that's it. It is a little thing, but it's not a little thing. It's a it's sign not of a something little much, thing. much bigger. It's not a little thing. Everything is energy. And he day. was putting energy yeah. back into yeah. the marriage. Yeah, and it's 30 seconds out of his day. I said, well, that's the best day. You can't take that 30-second investment to leave a little note that your marriage isn't that important to you. So and you know what's I, I funny about that? He probably got as much out of writing the note as she got out of receiving it. I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I know this. I know it became a loop because she felt closer to him because of that note. And then she was warmer to him. And then that warmth made him feel even more emboldened and more excited and more happy to, oh, I want to keep that going. And that positive energy, you know, that same problem that creates the negative disconnections and those small disconnections, you can reverse that loop. And you can make it a feedback of I'm kinder, so you're kinder. And you're kinder, so I'm kinder. And, and, and it can, the same thing that undoes us can be the thing that saves us. Yeah. I think you words that are so true, James, because when I'm working with couples, one of the things I hear over and over is I don't want to take the risk to be vulnerable. The other person might reject me. And the truth is somebody's got to take the risk to start that energy flowing, start that love flowing to get to reconnection. Now, 
if you, we have just a couple of minutes left, if you were to tell us, like, this is the real reason that I, as a divorce lawyer, want more than anything to have people read my book and stop getting divorced, what would it be? I think it would just be that, that as a divorce lawyer, I, I see the emotional, financial, and personal toll that divorce has on people. And I really believe that we all start, when we decide to be in a committed relationship, we start with you know, the same goal in mind, and somewhere along the line, we lose the plot. And so for me, I, I really believe that, that being able to say to people, look, I am not what you want. You know, tr- treating uh, uh, challenges in a marriage with divorce is like treating dandruff with decapitation. You know, it'll solve the problem, but it creates all kinds of other problems. I'm not saying there aren't marriages that need to end in divorce. I believe that there are. But I really believe there are a lot of people who've ended up in my office and offices like it, that if they'd taken the time along the way, or, or ideally, as you said earlier, if before they marry. They said, you know what, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I want. Here's the rule book. Let's let our relationship develop by design, not by default. If they come to the, the weekend that you, you, know, you have uh, uh, happening, you know, where they can talk about what can we do to keep this thing focused and keep this relationship in a great place, then, then hopefully they never end up in my office. Well, I want to thank you, and I love the title of your book, How to Stay in Love. And your other book apparently is still out there that if you're in my office, it's too late, in which you also give great advice. Now, have you actually had couples come in who are headed for divorce and then you were able to get them moving in a new direction? I've only had a couple. It's really not my forte. You know, I, I'm really the, the, the guy who, who takes it apart once it's uh, broken, but I, I, I have sent a lot of people back out to counseling. I'm very gratified that since my first book came out, which was April of last year, and it was very well-reviewed in the Times, and, and it got a lot of great press. And since then, I've had a lot of people contact me via social media, uh, which is at NYC Divorce Lawyer um, on Instagram and, and other you know, social media and platforms. And, guys, all of James's info is going to be up. When we post this podcast, you'll be able to get oh, in touch with him. We'll have everything great posted for you, but nyclawyer.com, is that what we NYC have? Di- NYC Divorce Lawyer, and I've, I've had a lot Divorce of people lawyer. reach out and say to me the book was really helpful to them. I, had, I actually had a guy who used some of the excerpts from it in their wedding vows. Um, oh, and fantastic. Gave it out to That's wonderful. That's wonderful. It's a wonderful Great. thing. It's well, everybody, gratifying. grab the book, How to Stay in Love, James Sexton. Divorce Lawyer. Thanks so much. Giving you advice from his perspective. My pleasure. Thank you, James. And listen, modern lovers, there is no excuse for you not investing at least one day in your life to learn modern science-based tools that are practical and easy to apply to make your love life Life the best it can be as we're moving into 2020. It's a new decade. We've got to upgrade our skills. So go to Eventbrite, grab your ticket for November 16th. Stop sabotaging your love life. All right, I'll see you there. Bring a friend because we want to spread the word that marriages, relationships can absolutely not only be sustained over time, but get better over time. Big thank you to Cliff Dunning, our executive producer. Thank you to all of you modern lovers. 
be with you next week, and I'll see you on the 16th. I'm going to say it again. Run, don't walk. Blessings, everyone. 